Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. That first record, though, I really like... Um... <clears throat> forgive me if i don't say these fish name correctly that's fine <laughs> i still can't spell them right nice. uh yeah. gigantic uh gigantactus i think is how you say it. yeah like a cactus okay <laughs> right and i'm not a fisherman so me neither i eat them uh, but <laughs> yeah i don't even eat them but okay <laughs> barrel eye real funky um brings to mind for me like a shaky ground kind of funk you know mm, cool all right right on. which yeah. is always a good thing yeah yeah got that the mid-tempo stomp is always a good place to, to live yes so. yes and the last track um arch uh Ar oh archituthis yes yes that's the giant squid that's what that is um yeah that one was very dallas influenced kind of like slow that slow swung swunk the horns and the organ and yeah, yeah yeah that's uh that's jason thomas on drums bobby sparks on all the keyboards and philip lassiter did the trumpets so yeah texas guys yeah yeah that, that one's in that laid back pocket it's sweet sure um and even stoplight loose jaw too real hard-edged with a, a nice solo thanks yeah that was definitely turned into a prog rock it was pretty aggressive. There's, you know, a lot of distortion on that one. <laughs> and so the other side of your brain, uh, if you will, continued with things of that nature, which I had mentioned. And uh, uh, that was also 2019. Blockheads, real cool rock type tracks. Yeah. A um, little bit of a departure from some of the other stuff. Well, it's kind of in a sense related to Catboy. Uh, they're both in E. They both are sort of in the same riff world um and they're both about my cats <laughs> so there's a lineage there how many cats do you have i have two okay i got three I think they're, they're, okay i think they're asleep in the backyard right now but hope they like guitar they do or they or they put up with it i don't know uh chicory real nice kind of low-key funk oh cool thanks yeah 
Yeah, that's a nice tune. I should play that one more too. <laughs> there you go. This record overall, though, compared to what preceded, I would say it was a little, um, a little jazzier. Yeah, I think in a sense it might be a little more open sounding. Uh, it, to my ears, the 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 maybe aside from like nap time or blockheads, the the tunes have a little bit more space. I think, which you know. That that record is interesting. I I wrote a lot of it right after I had my daughter was born, so I kind of was in a sort of a state of calm, sort of. <laughs> you got to get so, centered for that experience. Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a lot of recalibrating during the during the writing of that record. So maybe that's just a reflection of that. And it went to number one on iTunes, right? It did. Yeah, on the, well, on the jazz charts. Yeah. 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 Next time it'll be I, the iTunes pop. We're gonna dethrone, you know. Well, after this, yes. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't stand a chance, Pitbull. Yeah. So. so as that was going on, sort of concurrently, you were doing all of your other lives and playing sessions and playing with mm-hmm. um, uh, Snarky, and uh, you guys did some really interesting things, like those, um, you know, sessions that were filmed live and right. Um, I mean, some great stuff, you know, I mean, that must've just expanded your palate so much. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was really cool to, to dig into all that different stuff. I mean, you know, the family dinner music, uh, specifically with all the different artists from literally all over the planet, uh, really stretched me a lot. Um, because I don't have a background in Peruvian folk music. (laughs) <laughs> but if, if you know Susana Baca wants to come and do a song I gotta figure out how to play behind her you know um, and so that was really cool uh, learning all that music and you know every snarky puppy thing is the new adventure and I'm always a better musician as a result of each one of those things there's so many that I love on those but I uh, really like uh, Don't You Know and uh, yeah Jacob's tune yeah for sure I remember um, mm-hmm. hear like a little Stevie influence on that one. I think probably so. Yeah, that's a neat song. That was that was a hard tune. <laughs> a lot of chords in that song. So, uh, gone under mm-hmm. and uh, too hot to last. Um, some great vocals on those tracks too. So, oh yeah, every singer is awesome on that stuff. How different for you actually playing with singers? Uh, not different at all. Um, I, it's very easy for me to put on the sideman hat, you know? Um, and like I said before, it's like, even when I'm playing my own stuff, it's the, the, the goal is that the song sounds great and the performance sounds great. So whatever I need to do to make that happen is what I'm going to do. Um, <clears throat> I like playing parts. I love playing behind singers. You know, I mean, a lot of my touring gigs, uh, you know, I played for Eric, for Erica Badu for several years. And so, you know, behind a singer who can do so many crazy things <laughs> and is constantly making left turns on stage, you know, so you've got to be able to follow all that. You know, I've done a lot of um, working like in Christian music doing with behind worship artists and stuff like that. So same thing, you know, very comfortable playing behind singers. Do you ever get much direction or you kind of just take off, do your own thing or? Uh, uh, it comes and it depends on the artist, you know? Um I usually start maybe if there's nothing brought in up front about what they want, I will sort of start with something and then change it as, as they see fit. Um, so 
but you know i think now at, at maybe this point in my career people kind of know what they're getting so maybe they understand that there will be a certain kind of language presented ahead of time but they already know that i'll do whatever they want <laughs> too so um you know when they say jump i just say how high i don't ever say why <laughs> Does it matter to you at all whether you're doing rhythm or soloing? Uh, no. I mean, you know, it, most. Well, I should say this: most of the time, if I'm playing behind a singer, I don't really. I'm not. You know, maybe maybe you get a guitar solo. If if it's if it's like uh, worship music, there is no guitar solo. <laughs> really, I might throw in some fills here and there, but there's not really like a guitar solo spot. I mean, and even when I was touring with Badu, uh there was one tour where she would craft out like a section of the show where each person would have a little like one minute kind of solo. Uh, but other than that, I'm standing there playing the tunes, you know? So it's all about it, just making the music feel good, man. Is she as eccentric as she seems or she's great. Yeah. And she's super sarcastic. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, ah, what did I say? You know, she's like, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it's fun. It's cool cool crew i saw that video mark of you uh playing with um great great other players as always but um you guys were in the studio and you're doing cashmere and stuff like that and oh yeah with martin actually i so, had a talk with him uh, we did a little podcast thing just before this actually yeah man that was a fun fun week it was like two days two or three days yeah so but that was a little bit different thing for me to see you doing you know mm. Well, I think maybe for a lot, they're like, what, he's playing Zeppelin? Like, what is this, you know? Uh, but that was great. I mean, you know, I I, I love rocking. <laughs> and I still play that Phil Collins tune with my friends here, you know. Uh, yeah, that was great. And they, that whole band is super top-notch and pro and, you know. So that, yeah, that was a very enjoyable sure. session. Yeah, definitely. How, how were the tunes, uh, you know, selected for that particular gathering? Um. Martin and I kind of chose him. Uh, he picked most of them, and then I picked a couple. Um, like, I picked uh, the Steely Dan tune. We did Josie. Um, and then we did one of mine. The video hasn't come out yet. but uh, And then he kind of was like, here's what I was thinking. Are these cool? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So Purple Rain was a bit of a departure because I've never really thought of that one as like a guitar solo song even there is a guitar solo in it uh but i think it came out really cool um what what has been your greatest thrill on stage um well lately probably getting off stage at royal albert hall and feeling like i did a decent job <laughs> uh there's a lot of pressure on everyone that night you know to really bring it and um, live recording sold out Royal Albert Hall, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Um, and so doing that and getting off stage and being like, ah, oh, man, you did it. Look at you. <laughs> so that felt pretty good. Um, but you know, I mean, there have been so many things. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big recording in a giant hall. I mean, there have been nights where, you know, I just a really great jam session happens at a bar or something you come off stage just feeling elated just because everything was so funky you know maybe there were five people there whatever but um I, yeah i i can find 
<laughs> I can find joy in a lot of different musical experiences, which I think, you know, if you're going to do this for a living, you have to be able to do that. Cause as soon as it starts to become like just work or something, it's, yeah, it's no good. What about in terms of another player musician that maybe, you know, it's just a thrill to uh, be on stage with them. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Playing with Charlie Hunter has always been really fun. Uh, gosh, who else? Um, I got to play with John Mayer a while back. That was really fun. Um, and a surprise. I didn't know he was going to show up. <laughs> but he, he was friends with the band leader. and I was with Bob Reynolds, the sax player. They used to play together. So Bob invited him out, and we all played together. And that was really great. Um, man. Gosh, there's so many. I know now I can't even think of all the people um dang i wish you'd ask me that ahead of time <laughs> but keep <laughs> in the back of your mind for the next few minutes as we yeah uh, well talk with, yeah is, is there anyone that leaps to mind that you hope to be oh able i got to another one uh eric gales is always oh. was always joy to play with we played together a couple times and he's phew, one, man he's one of my yeah. favorites mark i'm seeing him on friday oh great tell him i said hello um he's just the best He's you incredible. Know. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I interrupted. What? <laughs> oh, I was, uh, no, that was good. I'm glad you brought him up since I'm seeing him in three days, but, um, um, now I was asking, is there anyone out there? I'm sure there is, but who might it be that you would just flip over getting a chance <clears throat> to play with? Probably D'Angelo. I think that would be a fun one. Um, I'd always, Love to play. Well, in his bass player, Pino Palladino, I've always wanted to play with him. Um, a lot of, I'd love to play guitar with, with Lukather, you know, in the same room <laughs> uh, or on the same stage. Um, drummers like Bernard Purdy, I think would always be really fun to play with. Um, gosh. I mean, of course, I'd want to play with Stevie Wonder, you know, who wouldn't? <laughs> Uh, George would be fun. George Clinton would be fun to play with. Um, damn, man. Backup, man. I'll back up Sammy Hagar. I think that'd be super rad. Down in Cabo, playing tunes. <laughs> you know, or David Lee Roth, you know what I mean? Um, I've always wanted to play with Steve Perry from Journey. I think that'd be really cool. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, oh gosh, the list could go on forever. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Lukather. So, uh, you know, how did you get him on the new record? Man, I just emailed him. <laughs> uh, we've been buddies for a while, just, just keeping in touch and texting and what have you. And, and he's just a cool cat and he's just one of the dudes. And by the time that tune came up to kind of finalize, I had already amassed quite a collection of my friends to come play stuff on it. And so I just thought I was like, man, this is like a fastball down the middle track for someone like him. Why don't I just get him to do it? Cause I was going to play the solo myself, but I was like, eh, you know, I got all these guest solos. What's a guest, you know, we, why don't we, let's get a guest guitar solo. And so I just emailed him and he was like, yeah, absolutely. Send it to me. So that tracks out. a blast, you know, with the Thanks, horns man. and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun one. I'm glad. I, I'm really happy how that came out. Yeah. The whole record. Congratulations on it, Mark. Thanks. Appreciate you it. Know. Thank you. Um, Baritone Sessions Volume 2 came out like two months ago, maybe? April 16th. Yeah, so not yeah. too far along. Um, love, love, love. Uh, Magnus, Magnetar. 
Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of Prince, you throw in the head. Yeah, a little bit of that, a little nod, a little head nod. There you go. Yeah. Um, that was kind of something Sean brought in. And I was like, oh, it kind of sounds like, hey, he's like, ah, yeah, I know. That's the point. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, um, yeah, that, that it, I mean, yeah, I just kind of had that middle section, that little pre-solo section. Um, and uh, yeah, it came out. It was nice because it was kind of a cool transition into the vocoder solo, which feels to me like almost like a Daft Punk, Herbie Hancock, Sunlight kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that tune kind of goes couple different places i mean the front half is very like kind of a almost like rock funk mm-hmm. you know and then it kind of goes into this prince thing and then into this daft punk herbie thing so yeah well i love where it took me and you know when i first heard <clears throat> that come in i you know of course it made my head whip around you know yeah yeah a little little tip of the cap you know very cool and uh title tail mm-hmm. or tall title um, tail yeah I really like sort of like the chicken scratchy kind of funk thing on that, you know? Thanks, man. Yeah. That tune was like, I don't know. I was like, it, the, I was trying to do some sort of like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like old school funk, but with like a nineties R and B rock chorus. <laughs> uh, yeah. It has a bit of like, almost like a gospel kind of quartet ish kind of thing. But then the, the chorus is like this kind of nineties head bop thing. I was listening to a lot of, you know, who I was listening to, you'll appreciate this Chucky Booker. That's who I was listening to a lot of when I was writing these tunes. So there's a lot of nineties R and B in my mind, late eighties, early nineties R and B in these tunes. That's funny. His, his uh, partner, Kipper, uh, Kipper Jones mm-hmm. is on truth and rhythm next week. Oh, so we, we were actually talking about Chucky quite a bit on that show. I, I heard a rumor that they might be touring again or something like that, doing some shows. I, I saw some stuff on uh, DOA's Instagram about maybe doing some gigs. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. I think, you know, now that the pandemic's lifting, we're going to see a lot of folks coming out that maybe hadn't worked together before. I mean, it's changed like the mindset and everyone's yeah. so pent up just wanting everything again. So, right. yeah. yeah, I get it. Um, speaking of which, you know, how did the pandemic play into, you know, how you approached this project and got it done? Yeah, well, it, it was going to be recorded the way it was going to be recorded regardless. I think, um, just because of the way I write those tunes and the way that they come together, it actually makes sense for me to kind of do it remotely. Um, so that was gonna, that was gonna happen anyway. Uh, I think where the pandemic kind of came into play was, um, well, when the whole shutdown kind of happened and I lost every gig I had, I just went into like a pretty dark depression. You know, I was not in a good place uh, for a while. And <clears throat> kind of coming out of that was when all the tunes kind of started to come together. Because um, prior to the shutdown, I was like, I'm going to do volume two. Big excitement. And then the world caved in on many fronts. And, uh, I was just like, I'm not going to do anything, uh, but how, what am I going to, how's this going to happen? And then, you know, just things change in, in your life and, and it, my mind started to get clear and I sort of found rhythm and clarity and whatnot. And, and this kind of started forcing myself to, cut, to get the tunes together and then they just started exploding. So in a sense, kind of like the whole 
space thing, you know, a lot of those titles are, are regarding like giant celestial phenomena and explosions and things like that, which to me kind of was the theme of the record. It was like all of a sudden I had this big burst of inspiration and kind of put everything together in like two months. Um, like really writing everything and then getting the recordings together and then getting all my friends involved. <clears throat> and then, you know, kind of, so there is kind of a symbolism of kind of a big burst of, of inspiration there. So, so many, I'm glad it happened. I don't know. It could have very well have not even have happened. <clears throat> so many musicians I've spoken to, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic and the lockdowns were very depressed early on and had to regroup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not alone. <laughs> but I think uh, coming out of it, and this is part of that wave, we're going to see and experience some great works of musical art um, yeah, that, you I know, agree. people dug deep and they were sequestered or whatever. And, you know, some very interesting things are already coming out of that and will continue to, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, yeah. In a strange sense, I think as the, as the music world is kind of writing itself and sort of getting to this way again you know, we're going to see some really cool stuff. Definitely. Other standouts on this record for me. I mean, the whole thing is great, but uh supernova real slinky kind of swing and groove and the sax. Very cool. Yeah. Right. And then it turns into a metal song at the end, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. It's me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Happen. Why yeah. not? Um, and the, uh, nebulae, uh, real cool strumming funk. Um, and I understand that uh, harmonica player uh, did some work with Prince uh, again. Yeah. Back to Prince. Yeah, man. Frederick, man. Oof. Well, he plays a, a diatonic harmonica, but he plays it like a chromatic harmonica. So he's bending notes and, and phrasing uh, like, if, like if it was chromatic. And yeah, that was cool. I'm, I, I'm glad he, he was around to do that. Cause I was kind of running out of ideas for soloists. Cause again, I didn't want a guitar solo. It already had a horn. So I was like, that would be weird and different. And yeah, Frederick's that guy. So. <clears> oh, <throat> it was very cool that added, you know, that extra uh, texture and color, you know, to yeah. the whole thing. Sure. Um, and um, Voyager one, you know, some mm. slower, deep funk, you know, we mentioned P funk. I feel Bernie yeah. Morrell coming through that one. That's all Bobby Sparks. Um, that was a tune. Uh, I knew I wanted Nate Smith to play on the record. And so I kind of wrote that one. Actually, you know what? I wrote that song originally for the fearless flyers, but we just never ended up doing anything with it. Um, and so I saved it because I was like, this is a great groove for Nate. So I'm going to save it for this record for Nate. Um, and then <clears throat> give it to Bobby and kind of let him take it to outer space, which is what he did. So I, it's funny. There's a middle section in there where they're it's right before Bobby's solo where they're grooving him and Nate, which was crazy because they were not in the same room together. Nate was in Nashville. Bobby was here in Texas. Um, Bobby played all that stuff to my drum programming. Um, and then I sent the track sans drum programming, but with Bobby's parts and my parts to Nate and then Nate grooved on top of it. And there's like a section there that's the funkiest thing that's ever happened on any of my records. And turns out it's the funkiest when I don't play. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to let these two cats have it and it'll be so good. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from your own record to get well, the best, <laughs> best results. Were you, were you tempted to throw something in there? Nope. Yeah. 
as soon as I, I mean, well, maybe as soon as I heard it, I was like, I, yeah, let's just, you know, we can bookend it with some funky guitars, but this middle section, just let them have a dialogue here. So, yeah, well, you know, it works now because it's so funky, but it, you know, adds something else to the whole mix, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we mentioned the star catchers track, but I feel some earth, wind and fire kind of vibe. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, definitely with the horns, I think with what Phil did with the horns. Um, that one was kind of like, you know, in my mind, like LA eighties, uh, you know, almost like the Toto thing, but with baritone involved, you know, so it kind of made sense to have Steve be a part of it, but, um, I love shuffles in each, each one of my records since I've got a couple of them. So there's always gotta be one shuffle. But I think that one kind of had like a slicker feel. It wasn't like a Texas shuffle or anything. It was just sort of like a slick LA fusion shuffle thing, you know? Right. So a little tip of the hat to the baked potato. Maybe that's what that was. <laughs> and you got uh, Adam playing on some of this. Um, you know, I wanted to, to bring up the fact that, you know, the snarky puppy and, and what you do and so many of these other guys we've been talking about is part of this, fantastic uh universe of younger uh musicians who have embraced real instrumentation real playing gone back and and absorbed funk fusion and keeping it alive and also there seems to be like this you know brotherhood of course i'm not limiting it just to guys but sure for lack of another phrase a brotherhood or affair yeah right um where it doesn't seem that competitive, you know, it seems like a collaborative spirit mm-hmm. is so much that runs through it and everyone working mm-hmm. together and doing their own things. And, you know, talking about, you know, not just groups like um, we've mentioned, but even like Soul Live and Galactic and um, Lettuce and so many others um, that are big on the um, festival circuit. Right. How can you describe and sort of define and explain that? Hmm, man, that's a tough one. Well, <clears throat> I think just speaking from personal journey experience, uh, there that was like the that was the way I was always gonna make music, like live with other people. I didn't know anything else. I mean, even from my earliest garage band with my friends in middle school, it was like, well, yeah, we get a, we put a band together and play songs. Like I didn't know. <laughs> You know, all this like self-production and stuff that I do now. I was like, I don't that that I didn't know that existed. Um, so the idea of community was instilled in me very early on. And so to now be in this scene with all these different players and on tour with these guys and on these festivals, uh what's great is that everyone kind of has their own voice, you know, and that's why I brought in so many players on this record is because I wanted all their different unique voices that I loved on these tunes and how they would interpret stuff and um, <clears throat> we're all just kind of fans of each other. I mean, you bring up lettuce, you know, that was, I was obsessed with those guys in college. I didn't know them, you know, but I had out of here and I wore the laser off that thing, you know, and so did the other guys in snarky puppy. And then they heard about us and like, Oh my gosh, we love these guys. And so, <clears throat> you know, all ships will rise with a rising tide, man. So if like, if we are all working together and helping each other out and making cool music that we, that we believe in for the sake of doing that, you know, 
Um, cause the thing, you know, it's funny the way everything is now with, with the internet, it's like, you can find a fan base. Like just cause snarky puppy is popular. doesn't mean that like your band also can't be popular. <laughs> you know, it's just, you have to find the people that dig your stuff. And of course it's okay for one person to dig multiple things. <laughs> right. So it almost makes sense that there wouldn't be any competition really. You know, I'd love to tour with Les. Maybe that'll happen. Snarky Puppy and Les. That'd be amazing. I'd buy that ticket. I would too. Even if I was on the gig, I would buy the ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like social media, thank goodness for it, and that it has allowed, you know, the real musicians to supersede, uh, you know, the limitations of the corporate label model that had been sort of smothering all of that. Sure. Yeah. It puts, yeah, I mean, it, it puts the power into the artist. It puts a lot more on their shoulders. <laughs> You're responsible for a lot more, but the rewards, I think, can be a lot greater. Yeah, it's just up to fans to go find it, you know? Right. Yep. That's it. Um, so, Mark, what, what makes funk so special to you? I, what, what does it do for you? Mm. Um, I get a certain feeling about it when I'm kind of in that zone that pocket where i'm like my eyes are kind of half closed and i have a bit of a smirk (laughs) then i'm feeling you know which is it yeah it's like an attitude it's like a i don't know it's it's having power i think which is kind of scary to say but like when you're in a great funk groove with your bandmates like you feel like you can just mow down mount everest or something and, you know, I get similar feelings from playing rock music, too. Um, it, may, it might just be a music thing that I that I get, but, but with funk, especially when you can see the audience responding to it, you know, if, if the band has hit that moment and you can tell it's affecting every single person in the room, like, that's, that's choice. That's what you want to try to achieve every night. But, you know, if you ever see me on stage and, I, and I'm kind of like, then... <laughs> then you know things are funky hopefully <laughs> you're not thinking do i leave the oven on uh no but that is a problem i have when i leave the house for the airport is i go back i park the car and go in and check uh, o- the ocd and yeah. a little bit maybe <laughs> so yeah what what does typically go through your head if you can describe it at all when you're you know uh playing a groove and is it different from when you're playing a solo mm. um yeah actually kind of it kind of is um, because I think it maybe I, I don't know, I can't speak for every soloist, but sometimes when you solo, you have a tendency to tune out everything around you, you know, which can, can kind of come back to bite you in the, in the butt sometimes. Um, but I'm working on now kind of finding that place where I'm tuned out, but also still tuned in to what's going on with the band, you know, because if I am, then I'm going to be inspired to, to play my solos a different way and kind of make them more inclusive of everyone on stage, you know? Um, but, uh, I think the one similarity is that I, both time, both if I'm playing a groove or soloing is I'm still thinking about groove. I'm still thinking about pocket. And like, even if I'm playing a million notes a minute, I want them to all feel good. I want the right ones to land on the right beats. You know, um, I love playing solos that are groovy, you know? I mean, even if, even if it is like, kind of shreddy so to speak um it's still got to be soulful you know and do you compose strictly on guitar or do you do some other instruments um 
primarily just because I'm not really great at, I mean, I can play bass pretty well. And so I will write on bass occasionally um, and then kind of maybe plink out some things on a keyboard, but primarily on guitar. Or I'll make beats. I like doing that. And I, you know, just drum beats, programming stuff just to get a, a vibe in my head or something. No real drums there? No, not yet. I, I Yeah, that's always been one of those things where I've just never had the opportunity to have a real drum set, so wished I did. Maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to put a second story on the house someday, but <laughs> put a studio up there with a drum set. How old is your kid now? Four. The girl, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So any musical aptitude so far? Uh, yeah, she's she comes in here as long as i'm in here she can do whatever she wants with any of this stuff um but she wants to start a band uh she likes to practice practice she has a little ukulele um her favorite song is from this japanese cartoon called uh my neighbor totoro which is a really beautiful story kind of fantasy thing it's got this really great theme song um so she comes in here with her ukulele and she's like i'd like to practice totoro now (laughs) she blinks around on i'll play the theme song you know um, so yeah, I'm just kind of excited to see what she, what she does. We have a couple, we have a lot, you know, she has a little piano in her room. She's got all the percussion things. She, you know, she can get her tiny hands around. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of like the way that my parents were, they never forced me to do anything musically, but it was there if I wanted it. So as long as I'm in here, <laughs> she can come in and take her pick of the Paul Reed Smiths and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure many people be like, are you insane? It's like, whatever, man. Really, it's really high quality stuff. Kid's not gonna break it. <laughs> yeah, she comes by it organically that way. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. That's the point. What do you anticipate for the balance of this year musically for you? Um, well, getting back to playing live, you know, I'm gonna get on the road and and uh, and do uh, hopefully a, a fair amount of shows with my band, playing stuff off the Baritone Sessions Volume Two and you know, you know the other material. Um, Snarky Puppy's going to be doing another record later in the year. Um, I'm going to take some time off, kind of, I mean, time off, quote unquote, uh, where, where I'm going to focus on writing stuff, you know, practicing, just getting back to guitar, you know. Um, got a cool camp that I'm teaching at with some friends. It's like a guitar camp weekend thing. Um, doing some courses, like internet courses, like YouTube well, not really YouTube, but like, you know, downloadable package, lesson packages and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of stuff coming up. Nice. And how can people yeah. keep up with all of that? Um, MarkLeteria.com is updated semi-regularly with tour dates when I get it. Um, my YouTube channel has a ton of videos on it. Um, my Instagram channel has a, even more videos on it. Uh, and I update that one pretty regularly just because it doesn't take as much effort as creating a long-form YouTube film. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm on Facebook that I, that I post on too. So, um, I'm on all the socials. I just don't really Twitter very much. I don't know what to do with that. So for other aspiring musicians that are looking to leverage social media, how do you, uh, draw a balance between, you know, what you give away on social media versus commerce that Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to get? Sure. I mean, it's, you kind of have to have a happy meeting if, if you have product of sort, um, it's usually good to try to if you can, without it being overt, I mean, sometimes it needs to be overt, but like whatever you're posting should be somewhat transactional, you know, 
I mean, just as an example, I posted a video on Instagram the other day of a live clip of my band um, playing a tune, one of mine. It's a guitar. Most of it's a guitar solo. And I, excuse me, I highlighted the gear that was used, one of which is a signature distortion overdrive pedal of mine. So it's just sort of a hint, (laughs) not like a buy this thing now, but like, hey, here I am using this thing that I made. If you like it, check it out. Um, But most people probably just see it and go like, hey, that sounded really cool. You know, scroll on to the next thing, right? So it's it's all a sort of a, a process, but the last thing I want to do is like beat people over the head with salesy kind of stuff. But you know, they understand that this is my living and you know, if they choose to support great, um, if they don't and just want to listen to cool stuff, that's fine too. You know? Um, but, uh, I, I at least make it clear that if people do want to support, it's easy to, to do so. You know, there's not too many links you have to click before you get something, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, it's changed quite a bit since you took some schooling in marketing, you know. Oh, man. I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember, like, when MySpace was kind of the only thing that, and I had a page and I didn't know what the heck to do with it, you know. Um, and that was everything on that thing was for free, <laughs> I guess, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no, you know, it's funny. I talk to my friends about this and, and sometimes we're like, yeah, man, it would have been great if we were like in the eighties and we're like, well, would it have, I don't know. Like we would have be had to, we would have had to have a record deal. <laughs> and you'd be totally a, steered. A, you'd be pigeonholed and steered. Sure. Yeah, probably. You know, there would have been people throwing a, tons of money at us expecting it all back. <laughs> and then if you don't make it back, then what happens, you know? So Maybe it wouldn't have been as awesome as I thought it would have been. But. 70s or 60s, maybe. Yeah, maybe, but not the 80s. All right. <laughs> yeah, maybe 60s, 70s. Who knows? Yeah. I only know what I know in 2021, so here we are. What, what are you most proud of accomplishing musically so far? Mm. Uh, I love my last record. I'm excited. I really think it's kick-ass. I listen to it for fun, which is silly, but um, yeah, I'm excited about it. You should be. It's phenomenal. And um, thanks for those watching, listening. I'll also give you a plug that you did those listening parties for it. Um, oh, yeah. And those are those on are YouTube. Cool. And it's cool yeah. to hear the behind the scenes stories. Well, yeah, I tried. I, I, I basically tried to answer as many of the questions that I got in my various inboxes. Just put them out there. So if you if you thought about it, it's probably got answered on one of those things. Outstanding. Hey, I hope you come right to the Carolinas in the near future and I get a chance to yeah. see you. Be awesome. It was great. This was really fun. Thank you for having me on here. Thanks, Mark. Take good My care. Pleasure. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store, 
for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven results-oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg.funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.